You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome to this week's play-by-play of the Hangtime Podcast. Joining us now, comedian Chelsea Peretti, NBA All-Star Roy Hibbert. Roy is our nation's most treasured actor. He's got chops, he's got talent, and he also has three tickets to Lakers. <laughs> With your host, Elliot Anderson, stops it down behind his head. Seku Smith, Lang Whitaker, and Rick Fox. The NBA's Executive Vice President of Basketball Operations, Stu Jackson, is joining us now on the podcast. I wanted to ask you, Stu, when players see you coming, do they get out of the way now? No. The worst thing that happened to me was uh, caller ID. And it's, it's our main man, Roderick Turner from the Los Angeles Times. Hey, Q, can I say this first? <laughs> you know you when can. When I was covering the Lakers, when Rick Fox played, I had hair. They wore me out. Now it's time for the tip-off. <laughs> That's what happens when you're dealing with Rick Fox, Lang. I just lost my hair. You lose your hair. Welcome to the Hangtime Podcast. Take you Smith here in Atlanta at the Hangtime Blog at NBA.com, Lang Whitaker in New York. Lang, look out the window and tell me if you see Rick Fox getting ready for the Macy's Day Parade. I do not. I can go look for him when we finish, though. All right. He's, Rick, Rick is absent. I don't know if it's excused or not. we got to check with our super producer, Greg Wagon. Greg, is, does he have an excused absent this week? Absolutely not. That's, <laughs> Rick is somewhere right now getting in costume for the Macy's Day Parade. We'll miss him. Happy Thanksgiving to him. Happy Thanksgiving to you, and welcome yet again here to the Hangtime Podcast. Do you remember? Uh, do you remember Cedric Henderson played in the NBA for yes, a while? Yes, absolutely. You he used to have, yes, he played for the Bucks for a long time. Mm-hmm. He used to have a, 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 a saying, or a I don't know what you would call it, but you know, there's guys who are in the NBA who are injured, and they're on the injured list, and then there's guys who are healthy but just who don't play, right? And they're they're just and they're they're on the chilling list, was what Cedric used to say. <laughs> so I think Rick's on the chilling list today. Oh, nice, nice. Well, we listen. We will forgive him for this yes. absence. He he's done his service, whether he's here or not. And uh, happy Thanksgiving to Rick. It's the hang time headlines as Seku and the guys discuss the top stories around the NBA. Sekuna Matata. Say Kuna Matata. <laughs> you like that, don't you? <laughs> Not as much as you do, but I do like it. <laughs> well, I mean, stuck in the headlines as they have been for the past 11 days, the Los Angeles Lakers, they can't shake the headlines. Mike D'Antoni makes his big debut uh, on the Lakers bench in Tuesday night's win over the Nets, Lang. Um, I know you watched the game, and I know you you got a good look at them. Do they look any noticeably different to you? Uh, I thought they looked more up tempo. They seem to be 
trying to trying to push the tempo a little bit more. I, when I was watching them last night, the, the thing that jumped out at me was still that Dwight just doesn't seem 100%. Yeah. And I wonder – I mean, he, he looks like he's laboring, running up and down the court sometimes, and I wonder – uh, and that you know that said he had an awesome game, but uh, you know once he once he gets a hundred percent and once Nash is back, he, it seems you can sort of see where they're going to go and how they're going to get there and, and how much more dangerous they're going to be. You know, me. I mean, in a hundred percent for Dwight, you know, he gets twenty what twenty three fifteen and <laughs> four blocks. Yeah, and I wish he'd get better. Yeah, and I, mean, I wish he'd pick <laughs> it up. <laughs> um. The reactions from from around the the basketball world have been interesting in, into this latest uh, twist in the in the Lakers saga. But take a listen to Kobe Bryant's reaction and and tell me what you think. Like I I think you you hear noticeably different Kobe Bryant now talking about this team. You've seen and done a lot in the course of your career, but I would venture to say that in the course of eleven games in this season. Um, it has been a strange ride so far. How would you characterize what has gone on at this point, the latest step being Mike D'Antoni actually on the bench for a game tonight? Well, I, I would say it's been weird, but, you know, in Los Angeles, there's really no such thing. If you've ever been down to Venice Beach, you know what I'm talking about. So <laughs> it's really nothing weird. It's just uh, it's just Los Angeles. And, you know, it's unfortunate. Anytime you see a coach, um, you know, lose his job, I mean, it's always tough. And, you know, for us, we just have to put one foot forward and just continue to work. And, you know, Coach D's come in here and he's done a fantastic job. I mean, his knee is about the size of a watermelon. But, you know, he, he's out there walking around, limping around. He's kind of, you know, getting his gangster stroll on during the game. Kobe talking about Mike D'Antoni's gangster stroll. I, like, I never heard him mention Mike, Mike Brown's gangster stroll. So, I mean, that, clearly we're in a better position and a better – a better frame of mind in Los Angeles. Um, we in Lang, we have beaten up the Lakers story around here pretty dramatically uh, yeah. over the past couple weeks. But today on the Hang Time podcast, we get a different inside view of of what's going on in LA and what's going to happen going forward. Um, very pleased to to have joining us now is the general manager of the Los Angeles Lakers, Mitch Kupchak. An interview Lang and I did a little bit earlier. Take a listen to this, guys, and see what you think. Welcome into the Hang Time Podcast now. Los Angeles Lakers general manager, Mitch Kupchak, the busiest man in the NBA the last 11 days. Mitch, uh, how are you? Happy Thanksgiving. And are you glad to finally have just basketball games to worry about in L.A.? Well, happy Thanksgiving. Um, you know, in Los Angeles, it's, it's always, it's never always just about basketball games. Um, you know, we, we have a, we seem to really have a way with drama out here. Um, so I'm not sure it's over forever, but um, it, it's been a busy two weeks and um, uh, we're happy to have Mike D'Antoni and we're starting to win some games, although they've been home games. Um, we're on the road tonight and our schedule changes, you know, so we'll be tested here in the next two or three weeks. Right. Mitch, just take us, you know, we don't want to dwell on this too much, but just take us back a little bit, uh, into the decision-making process between, um, going from Mike Brown to Mike D'Antoni as an organization, you know, what was behind that thought process? Well, it's a, it's a long story yeah. with the timeline, uh, and I have no problem kind of going through it with you. Um, 
you know, in short, you know, we we didn't our our record wasn't very good, you know, with Mike Brown, and uh, we didn't see improvement. Um, you know, we made a heck of a commitment, or at least ownership did this year, with payroll and bringing in players, and you know, the same holds for next year, and then a lot of contracts expire. So we felt the time to win was was now, you know, meaning this year, and perhaps of course next year. Um, so we could have waited, you know, a couple of days, you know, a week or two, or maybe in a month or two, uh, to see if you know the players would have responded a little bit better with Mike Brown. Right. Uh, but we chose not to. Um, and uh, at the moment, we chose not to. You know, we had, you know, pretty much decided on Mike D'Antoni. Uh, but of course, you can't contact somebody until you, you know, let somebody go. Right. On top of that, they're represented by the same agent, so it didn't make sense for obvious reasons not to contact Mike D'Antoni until Mike Brown was relieved. Mm. Uh, so when we relieved Mike Brown, you know, a groundswell of expected support, you know, for Phil Jackson took place. Sure. And that was on a Friday uh, at our game on Friday night. You know, everybody knows they were chanting, we want Phil, we want Phil. And although we had already, uh, in our minds, thought that Mike D'Antoni would be the coach, and a lot of that was based on, you know, um, you know Phil and where I thought he was in his life. Um, you know, he decided to retire two years ago. I had lunch with him about two months ago, and he said he'd never coach again. Uh, but, but with the groundswell of support, um, you know, we, we decided to revisit uh, with Phil. And on Saturday morning, Jim Buss and I, um, you know, did have a meeting with Phil to discuss, you know, where he was in his life and you know, his feelings about coaching, you know, coaching this team. It was a pretty general basketball hour and a half discussion. Right. Um, and at the end of it, you know, Phil said he needed some more time to think about it. And um, he said he would get back to us on Monday. And I indicated that I had a job to do, which was to go out and continue to interview people. Uh, so uh, by Saturday afternoon, you know, ownership and myself uh, just continued to kind of talk about it. And, you know, we were pretty set on Mike D'Antoni. And um, um, we felt Phil... If he came back, it would be for a year, maybe two years. Um, maybe he's feeling pressured to do it because of the support in the community. I mean, in other words, a lot of the right reasons might right. not be the reasons. He, so he feels such an obligation to the city and this franchise that even if he really, his heart wasn't in it, you know, I think he would have done it anyway. Yeah. So, you know, we, we chose uh, Mike D'Antoni. Uh, we decided to kind of go against the grain with the public sediment and uh, pick Mike. And that decision was really made on Sunday afternoon by about 5.30, 6 o'clock. Um, then we opened negotiations with his representative on Sunday evening. And then we had to put it in writing and faxing contracts back and forth between New York and Los Angeles. And it finally mm -hmm. got done about 11.30, quarter to 12 on Sunday evening. At that point, you know, we had to call Phil Jackson and tell him that we had selected somebody else. So it was a midnight phone call and I know I woke him up and <laughs> I'm sure he was shocked. <clears throat> but we could have waited till Monday morning, but at that point, 
it, it would have already gotten out, and that really wasn't an option. So that's kind of a, a quick rundown of what took place. And, right. Um, and maybe it wasn't perfect, but it's the best we could do. Sure. Mitch, what was it about Mike D'Antoni that made him such uh, a good choice for you guys? Now, was it the history that you guys have had competing against him when he was in Phoenix or his relationship maybe with with guys like Kobe from the Olympic experience and, and Steve Nash? I mean, what was it that led you guys to believe he was the right fit for this team now? Well, well during the season, your options are going to be limited anyway. Mm-hmm. Right. So – um, our initial feeling was, is he stay, he play, he's available. Number one, obviously. That's always good. And, and, he, and he plays, you know, the style of basketball that, that ownership has always liked here in Los Angeles. Now, now winning is always first. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you can win and play exciting basketball, uh, then that's, that's better than just winning. So, that that was that was one of the the main uh, criteria that you know he played the way ownership likes to see the game played, uh, and that's no knock against anybody else because winning is most important. Right. Clearly, a relationship with with Steve Nash um, is is a plus, and uh, and we also felt that you know the personnel that we have here, and um, you know that personnel was really. Uh, put together over the summer. Uh, actually, it was put together after after Mike Brown decided to go to the Princeton offense with, you know, so that took place in July and August. And we just felt the personnel that we had here was probably best suited to that style of play. You know, and, and I can go through, you know, each player. Right. And there's no doubt that even with Phil and the triangle, we would have been successful as well. Right. Um, so, you know, going from this Princeton offense to the to the Mike D'Antoni system, what what are you looking for? What should fans look for? You know, where are we going to see improvement or change in the next couple of weeks uh, from this team? The the bottom line for everybody in Los Angeles uh, in, that coaches this team and works for this team is going to be wins and losses. I mean that that's the bottom line, and and that was the bottom line with Mike Brown. Right. He knew that. I know that. That's just the way it is with this franchise. Um, you know, you will see um, more up-tempo basketball. You'll see more possessions. You'll see more shots. I mean, that's not that hard to do. Some people can say that's just rolling a basketball out there and playing a pickup game. Um, you know, I, I don't completely agree, but it's not that hard just to get more shots. The trick is really, you know, to have a controlled basketball environment um, that's conductive to the kind of way you know, ownership wants to see the team play. Uh, to me, one of the most encouraging things, other than the fact that our point production has gone up in the last week or so with the more opened offense, uh, is last night in the second half, we did not score the ball well. But defensively, I think we had one of our best quarters in the fourth quarter and won a game 95-90. Right. Um, so uh, it's going to be a combination of things, that, you know, of up-tempo basketball, but you're going to have to defend – and you're going to have to win. Mm. Mitch, so much is made about the, the splashy moves that the Lakers make over the years. The idea that you would move on from Andrew Bynum and, and get Dwight Howard obviously looks like, you know, it's something that falls into the lap of a team. But how much hand-wringing was there on, on the Lakers' end when it's time to either 
stick with Bynum or take this risk and get Dwight, who's coming off this back surgery? I mean, what what goes into that thought process from an organizational standpoint that you can share with us just about the back and forth about what to do when you have that kind of move in front of you? It's actually pretty simple. Both players are on the last year of a deal. Both players are going to be asking for maximum extensions, and mm-hmm. both players deserve it. On top of that, both players, you know, well, Dwight was injured and Andrew has a history, although he played every game for us last year, Andrew, mm-hmm. and didn't miss a game because of injury. Right. Um, so I know what he's going through right now. You know, to me, I'm a little bit surprised because he did not miss a game for us last year. But the, the, the thought process was really pretty simple. Mm-hmm. It, we just looked at Dwight, and we said, well, that's the best center in the game. And we looked at Andrew, and we said, well, Andrew's the second best. Mm-hmm. And you know, our feeling was, is, well, if you can get the best, then, then go for the best. Mm-hmm. Um, everything else was pretty much the same in terms of what it takes to make a decision. Right. Um, and, and perhaps knowing that if you didn't get Dwight and you had Andrew to fall back on, it makes it easier to be a little bit more patient. Sure. But that was our feeling. Uh, can you give us a little bit of a injury update on Dwight and, and Nash? You know, I, Dw- it's funny. Uh, Dwight obviously doesn't look 100%, but he still had, I think, 23 and 15 last night. <laughs> I mean, lot, yeah. yeah. Um, how are those guys coming along? Well, Dwight's playing, playing big minutes. Um, he's still working on conditioning and timing. Um, I didn't think he'd be available in training camp, and here he is playing every game during the regular season so far. So from my point of view, he's way ahead of schedule. You know, if I had to put a percentage on it, you know, maybe he's 85%, something like that. Okay. Um, but we see improvement every every game. You know, his second jump, his third jump, his you know his quickness, you know, offside, you know, defensive uh, presence, um, you know, running the floor. So we're seeing improvements, and I think he's just going to get better and better. And I think he'll prosper in more of an open floor with more space to operate. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steve Nash is still out. Um, I don't think he'll play, you know, within the next uh, four or five days. You know, he's getting better, but it's slow. And um, we're hopeful, you know, that when he gets back, and I hope that's, you know, in a couple of weeks, that he's back for the whole season. Mitch, one last thing here, and, and again, we appreciate you joining us here on the Hang Time Podcast. Um, you mentioned earlier about wins and losses being the bottom line, uh, you know, in Los Angeles and, and with the Lakers. What does what kind of context does that put this season into for not only Mike D'Antoni but all these guys? It's certainly, the guys who are new to the to the franchise. Is it a win win it all or nothing season? Is that the mentality, or is it is or is it just the reality for the Lakers when you've won as much as you guys have over the years. Any team that feels they're in the hunt, and there's probably four or five teams in the NBA right now. Um, and you could, you know, just to name, just to name two off the top, my head, Oklahoma City and Miami. Mm-hmm. I know New York is playing great, but there's four or five teams that, that they look at their makeup and they say, you know, we have a chance. And for all those teams, it's really, you know, now is the time to do it. And if you don't do it, you know, you're going to be disappointed. And that's our take as well. Uh, we're not as young as we once were. And um, we feel we do have a two-year window. Now, it could extend beyond that if Dwight, you know, chooses to resign and, and Kobe's playing at a high level and he comes back, you know, so forth and so on. But, but really, it's the next year or two. Um, 
you know, you're going to have to stay injury-free. Uh, you're going to have to have a little bit of luck, maybe a call at the right time or a ball bouncing a certain way during a playoff game. So it kind of depends how it ends. Uh, but we do feel we're in the hunt. And, um, you know, in terms of being disappointed, we'll just have to see what happens at the end of the year. Absolutely. Mitch, I know you guys have a night, uh, a game tonight, and then you're off on Thursday. Uh, after all you've been through the last week or two, how much are you looking forward to Thanksgiving? <laughs> I think everybody's looking forward to Thanksgiving. It's, it's a great holiday, you know, we have in, in this country. And, um, you know, I'm thankful, you know, for, for what we have, uh, my family in particular. It's a great day. And uh, we do not have a game on Thanksgiving, which is a good thing. Because <laughs> when you have a game, if you lose, you're never in great spirits. Right. So it's going to be a good day tomorrow, uh, no matter what. And exactly. I wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, thank, thank you so much. Uh, Thanks, Mitch. We appreciate it. And the same to you and your family. Mitch Kupchak of the Los Angeles Lakers joining us here on the Hangtime mm-hmm. Podcast. We'll tell, we'll tell Rick you said hello if we find him. Lang, I got to admit, the, the candid nature of, of his responses, uh, that being Mitch Kupchak, uh, general manager of the Los Angeles Lakers, were pretty, pretty interesting. Um, I don't let, me know say, you... let me say this. I'm gonna before we even get to it. I want to put in to get Rick a raise for this week. <laughs> he didn't show up, but he made sure he that the interview the, happened. He puts he... the best guest of the, the best guest of the week. So. Yeah, he did. He did knock it out the park with that one. I, I will say this: it was a subtle throwaway line in that conversation we had with Mitch Kupchak. But and I hope hope you heard it. I hope other people pick up on it. The part where he talked about Mike Brown putting in the Princeton offense. Yeah. I know it's been speculated about elsewhere as to where the Princeton came from and whose idea it was. That's the first time I've heard somebody, you know, affiliated with the organization say it publicly that that that's where it came from. And it sounds to me, based on everything I can gather, that's the the epicenter of what went wrong for Mike Brown is maybe if they hadn't changed their offense and, and tried to do something completely different this year, I'm, I don't know. Maybe he's not watching Mike D'Antoni coach his team. Maybe Mike Brown's still there. What do you, what do you think in terms of what led to the the crack in that whole thing? What what I don't understand is, I mean, Mike Brown is not Pete Carrill. You know, he <laughs> he did not invent the Princeton offense, and he's not really known for running the Princeton offense. I know, right? I, I mean, know. he brought in Eddie Jordan to kind of be that guy. Uh, if it doesn't work. You know, why are you married to the Princeton offense? Can't can't you just flip a switch and say, "All right, forget this. Let's just we're just going to run pick and rolls. We got Steve Nash and Kobe and Dwight. Let's just do that." Um, you would so, think. I mean, yeah, to me, that's the interesting thing. Is you know why? I mean, maybe it's that you know they they tried to change and the change didn't work, and they're like, "We don't want to do this again." You know that we were just bringing someone else to do it, or you know, as he said. Uh, during the season, there's not a lot of available candidates um, to begin with. And if you're going to run pick and roll and you're going to run up tempo and you have, you know, maybe the best offensive coach in the last decade out there who to, to run an up tempo pick and roll based system. Um, and, and maybe that's what makes the Lakers, the Lakers is they're willing to just pull the trigger and do it um, and go get those guys. Yeah. I mean, and that's, that's what they do, from, you know, from a coaching standpoint, obviously, and it's right. with personnel as well. I thought it, I thought it was uh, pretty fascinating. You know, we've had this ongoing argument about who's the best big man in the NBA. Um, 
<laughs> well, a guy whose whose livelihood <laughs> yeah, depends right. on 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 figuring out which one of those big men to give money to, he pretty much ended the debate, didn't he? Uh, and, we need I to mean, make sure Shaq and uh, and everybody over on the uh, the the TNT set gets a listen to that, so they understand that. According to Mitch Kupchak, in the Lakers, the the best big man is not the guy who they they sent off to Philadelphia. It's the guy they got in exchange for him in that in that multiple team deal. So I, I I'm very interested to see how this season plays out for the Lakers, obviously, um, because the futures of so many different people are riding on that two-year window Mitch Kupchak mentioned, and maybe longer, but certainly a two-year window that they know is definitive based on the, the age and health of, you know, a couple of their biggest stars, Kobe Bryant, Steve Nash. It, it's a now or or not going to happen proposition for them in terms of challenging and competing for a championship. Don't you think for the Lakers, I mean, it's really the, the regular season is just practice almost. You know, I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, they they could they could with that roster with those guys with this coaching staff, they could tinker, they could sit guys, they could rest guys, and make the playoffs. I would think, and that's when you know, if if the goal is to win the title, that's what matters, right? So, yeah, but the 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 tricky part of that is you have to win. At a high enough rate to make sure you're in, a, in an advantageous position come playoff right. time as well. I mean, if you, I mean obviously you so, want to have yeah, the you want to have the you yeah, it, you want to have the best record possible. But yeah, I agree with you. I, I think he, Mitch Kupchak mentioned the same thing that I, I think a lot of us have come to understand about the league. When you're when you're Miami, Oklahoma City, to name a couple teams, maybe the Clippers. You know, certainly Boston. Your season is not going to be defined in in terms of success and failure based on how deep you get into the playoffs. You're, right. you're chasing a championship or you're chasing nothing. I mean, you're, you're, it's this championship. As cliche as it sounds, it's championship or bust. And that, there are only a handful or maybe a couple more teams like that that have that hanging over their head every season anyway. Well, let's, let's settle this right now. For this season, which, what teams are those teams? I mean, oh. do, we, do we include Memphis in there? I don't think Memphis is in that category yet because, to me, you have to at least and, – and this is why the Clippers are kind of hanging on the fence of that as well. You have to at right. least have made that foray deep, you know, to the conference finals level or to the finals here recently to, to at least be in that conversation to me. That would put the Lakers, the Heat, the Thunder, and Boston in right. that championship or nothing category. And really, I think the Spurs belong there. And I know they yeah. haven't been there, you know, the last few years, but but it's all the players who've the, been there. Yeah, they've got the the, the roster are, and guys yeah. who've been there, and they're a championship organization that that measures itself based on championships. I mean, you remember the the look on Greg Popovich's face at the end of the Western Conference Finals last year. He yeah. he he knew that the they came up short on on what their real goal was, and I part of me is kind of startled that I've never seen Mitch Kupchak seem frustrated with with people asking questions or get overly agitated with people that's he's got one of the toughest jobs yeah in all of sports when you think about the dynamic of the bus family and the history and tradition of the los angeles lakers the the wattage and star power that he deals with on a daily basis on that roster um the dynamics of you know who is calling the shots and who it who everybody perceives to be calling those shots with the lakers that 
that is that cannot be an easy uh, de- thing to deal with on a daily basis for a guy like Mitch Kupchak. And, and think about how long he's had it. Yeah, he's you know he's been in that job I think since two thousand when Jerry West left. And, sure. You know, normally you, you these teams like the Yankees or whoever they they go through general managers. You know, absolutely, they, absolutely. Yeah, and he's managed to to not only manage all the expectations but to 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 stay in that role for such a long time. Yeah. Well. I mean, a very interesting conversation to chew on over the, the the Thanksgiving holiday for a lot of people. The Lakers, unfortunately, will not be a part of your diet on Thanksgiving, as Mitch Kupchak mentioned. They got the holiday off. They need a day off. They need a a yeah. day out of the public consciousness everywhere but the Southland to to maybe get things in order and uh, and continue adjusting to the Mike D'Antoni era. And again, we thank Mitch Kupchak for for hanging out with us for the first time on the Hangtime Podcast. Big Bang Boom. It's time for the top calls of the week. I've been looking forward to this call. <laughs> this rain for them ain't gonna last long. What's that baby love? Hey. Yeah, amazing, like my firstborn. Here we go again. Go. Do it all over again, right? I'm breaking in your locker room. We still in those wings. We're breaking in your locker room right now. <laughs> Come on, me and you. No passing. Me and you. Come on. We need stops. Anthony defending Wade. Knocked away. Wade felt he got hit. Hey, way to get away with three fouls. Tell Jeff and Brandon they got to talk. There's nobody talking. Talk, talk, talk. Come on, come on. Now, get up. Communicate, communicate. Talk it out. Shake the floor. Shrink the floor. Trailer. Trailer. Get that. Get that, Sully. Stay there, Sully. Stay there. Talk to me. Talk to me. You thinking too much. Remember what I told you? And it's getting to you. I'm just telling you what I say. It's getting to you because you think you need to play ball right now. Stop thinking so much. Fourth quarter basketball. We live for this. Hey, a lot of time left. Keep going. Down the stretch now. Three minutes, right? No foul. We're in attack mode. Quick decisions. Attack, attack. Here comes the ball. I love I love those sounds of the game, Lang. You can you can pick out certain voices. Um, Doc Rivers. I has, know one of them was yeah. One of them was Doc, and one was Paul Pierce. Paul Pierce. Rondo, yeah, he's thinking too much. <laughs> the, I mean, there are certain guys where you don't even have to see the faces. You just hear the you hear the voice. Doc has the perpetual coaching horse voice. I mean, I, I'm trying to think the last time I heard Doc talk when he didn't sound like he. He had a cold. Probably when he was on TNT ten years ago, whatever that was. <laughs> but Pier- whatever I mean, that was, the Pierce, that dynamic on that Celtics team, um, to me, is one of those more intriguing situations where you know there's still a tug of war in terms of who who's in charge of that team in the huddle every night outside of Doc, and it's to me, it's one of the fascinating things that plays out when you watch that Celtics team play. But um, Lang, we got. I know we talked about it last week and the week before, and we're going to apparently keep talking about it for weeks to come. Kyrie Irving now yep. out with a, a broken broken hand. Steven Jackson, four to six weeks, broken finger. I mean, seriously, I thought the injury bug was all because of the lockout shortened camps and everything last year. 
Somebody owes me some money. It's like the Y2K. It's like Y2K. Last year, everybody had me convinced, man, if they just had a longer training camp, you know, if the dang lockout hadn't happened, nobody would be injured. There are more guys walking around in casts and hobbled now. But the, and a lot of these, like those, like Kyrie and, and Steven Jackson, those aren't even, you know, ligament, knee, whatever, yeah, leg, just free ankle. Stuff, yeah. yeah, just weird hand, whatever injuries. Um, I don't, you know, I, I don't think that's something we can try to. No. Try to, you, you can't guess if it's going to happen or not happen. It's just weird stuff that happens sometimes. I mean, it's just, it's just strange. I, I'm not sure, um, you know, how this affects teams, but I certainly, you know, have to think that the Spurs losing Steven Jackson and, and Kawhi Leonard is still, or Kawhi Leonard is still yeah, on the men trying to come back from, you know, quadriceps, tendonitis. That has to impact a team like the Spurs. Well, I I don't know. Maybe I don't know. Maybe Maybe it's a bigger deal when you lose a guy like Kyrie. And you're a team that's on the come up. You're trying to struggle to get back, you know. I mean, look, I, obviously it's, Kawhi Leonard's been a great piece for San Antonio, yeah. but but they've still got Tim Duncan. <laughs> they've still got Tony Parker. I know, but like, I mean, the problem is when you lose he and Steven Jackson at the same, you know, when you're playing without both of them. Well, they've still got it Tony can, Parker. It can get you, they've yeah. They've still got Tim Duncan. <laughs> <laughs> they've still got Manu Ginobili. I mean, Cleveland has Kyrie, and he has the ball every possession. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, I think that's a lot tougher. You're right. Him. It's like losing a quarterback yeah. as opposed to losing one of your wide it's receivers, like a, maybe. It's like yeah. if Peyton Manning went down. It's a, oh, it's a listen, bad... seriously. Did you, just min- <laughs> did you just mention Peyton Manning? Knowing oh, that, I might have. I don't know. Did knowing knowing the up? guy behind the glass in there, you know, he he, he goes he goes does a robot every time somebody mentions Peyton Manning. I mean, it's like it's like ringing the bell, man. You can't do it. <laughs> you cannot mention Peyton Manning around here. Right, let me ask you this. Ten games into the season, what is your uh, surprise team so far? You know what? I wrote about this earlier this week in the Hangtime Blog. Believe it or not, it's the Bobcats and the Timberwolves. I got two of them. All right. A, I never thought – I mean, it took the Bobcats until March to win their fifth game last year. They won five before Thanksgiving this year. I think that's a – that would qualify as quite the surprise. Uh, and the Timberwolves, Rid, um, mostly because, Rid, they've, they've lost an all-star in Kevin Love. They don't have Ricky Rubio. Chase Budinger gets hurt. You know, they've got new faces, Karolinko, Alexi Shved. I mean, they're playing with Rick Adelman kind of piecing together, you know, a, a rotation every night. And they've managed to play 500 basketball or better. Um, through these first few weeks. So I think those two teams, to me, somewhat define the odds. And I, and I know you get twisted in this thing about, well, what's a surprise? You know, right. is, is a team that was supposed to be good and that's struggling, does that surprise sure. you? Maybe not, you know. But the teams who are kind of out of our consciousness going into the season that, that find themselves up in the standings, the Milwaukee's, these teams, those are the ones who surprise me more than others uh, when they're playing well this early in the season, I you know I'm a little bit surprised at how well Brooklyn's played this year. Really, um, I know they lost. Yeah, I know they lost the Lakers last night, but I just thought that they were going to take a little more time to. to I mean, they they just started six and two, mm-hmm. and they look and Joe Johnson hasn't played great. He's coming on as of late, though. I mean, he's a played bit, better. Yeah. yeah, he looked good last night yeah. against the Lakers, but he's had he struggled at the beginning of the season. I just didn't think they would have this hot a start. But I mean, look, the Knicks. 
I don't think anyone thought they would start eight and one. Well, you asked me what the surprise was of this. You didn't ask me what the I stunner said, of was. The, the I st- said, "What's your most surprising team?" Yeah, you didn't ask me what the shocker of was. This. And you know what? I wouldn't normally talk about this. Guess who? Guess who called me yesterday to uh, uh, to give me the who? business? Say who? It was Woody, <laughs> Mike Woodson. I'm I'm uh, I'm standing in in the store. With you know, getting ordered around about what I needed to you know pick this up for Thanksgiving, get that. My phone rings, and whenever he calls me, it's it comes from private number. So I always go, uh oh, this is I know who it is. I'm like, oh, here's Woody. He was so funny because the thing I love about him is he hasn't changed in all these years I've known him. He he was calling to give me the business because the media's got it wrong. Oh, you guys keep saying this is why we're winning right now, and I'm telling you, we're not winning because of that. We're winning because of all these guys, and he starts telling me why Novak and all these guys who haven't been getting any credit, you know, during this early season run are, are such a huge, you know, part of what they're doing. And uh, this was before they played New Orleans, so I was talking to them. I think they had to be coming back from shoot-around or something because I heard a lot of noise in the background. But I, I gave him the business pretty good as well. Um, I think you know. we gotta do, I think we're going to have to book him, man. Definitely, definitely. You know, now, you know, the fortress up there is pretty hard to – you, He's calling you. you. What are you talking you about? You got to get security clear. I know I'm probably going to get in trouble for mentioning it. Um, you know, we got to go through our man Jonathan Sopranowitz with the Knicks, so I hope he's listening. And uh, this is our formal request for on-the-record conversation well, with Mike I don't Woodson. Know, I don't know what Mike Woodson's uh, – I don't know what <laughs> excuses he has or, or, you know, why he thinks they're playing well. But uh, uh, to me, having watched them play, you know, over the last decade, I, don't, I can't remember seeing a team pass the ball like this team passes the ball. Right. Offensively, um, defensively, they look good. Um, when Amari comes back, I don't know what that does to things, but but they've looked pretty good and pretty solid. And you know, maybe people thought they were going to be too old, but these older guys, they have poise and they they don't get nervous, they don't get flustered, they come back, yep. they get behind. Like it's been, they're a fun team to watch this season. Yeah, and you know, he mentioned specifically, he mentioned to me two guys whose names have been kind of omitted from this all this talk. And it'll probably surprise you who the two guys, Ronnie Brewer and J.R. Smith. He's like, man, he's like, people have no idea. Obviously, J.R. scores, he's like, but he's been great for us in terms of his passing and his defense. But he, Which he you shoots. never hear people talk about J.R. Smith playing defense. Oh, no. And, there and, was a really good story this week. Did you read the story about J.R. this week? About it? Yeah, about yeah. how he's not going out anymore and he's wearing suits to games and all this I stuff. Saw that. I yeah. saw that. I saw that. Sometimes a guy turns a corner, you know, and and then Ronnie Brewer, who's one of those kind of, char- I mean, we we're laughing about character actors earlier, um, yeah, you know, and he's one of those character actors in the league, a guy who ends up playing fourteen years and and playing really, you know, good basketball, but maybe never being a marquee star, or maybe never being the the guy who gets all the attention. He's been really good for him, and and he's been in that lineup most likely because Amari has not. Well, I um, think also Brewer defensively has been absolutely, really good. Absolutely. And people have maybe don't realize that. You know, and I think he's kind of picked up where Schumpert left off. They needed that wing defender guy. Yeah. And, and Brewer's really done that. And coming from Chicago, I guess it's not a surprise, you know, that he can play defense um, on the ball especially. But I think he's been a, a big pickup for the Knicks. Yeah. And also, we should mention, J.R. Smith's shooting like 60% on three-pointers. Yeah, I mean, he's <laughs> shooting lights out as always. But, you know, the other good part about it is, the Knicks, they're good right now. If if Amari and Shumpert come back and don't upset the chemistry of what they have going on, that means yeah. they have a chance to get even better, which is pretty stunning. Yeah. Um, 
So we'll, I mean, we'll see, obviously, but talk about things looking up, you know, for a team. And yeah, I mean, I guess when in the in the grand scheme of things, they probably have to be the unanimous choice if we pick one after ten, eleven games for the surprise team of the league. It would probably be the the team with that nobody expected to be where they are right now, and that's the Knicks. I think I said it last week, but it's probably worth saying again. Uh, no one thought that Mike D'Antoni would have to leave for the Knicks to become a <laughs> juggernaut offensive team. Tell it to Mitch Kupchak. Tell it to Mitch Kupchak. <laughs> it's time for bragging rights as the guys put their rep on the line. Bragging rights. Lang, you, you, smoked, the, you smoked the field the first week out, but – but our super producer in here, he's got the standings from last week. Greg, Uh-oh. please, please tell the people how how things have changed. Yes, things have definitely changed. Last week, uh, Lang went two for two, and um, the uh, Seku. I don't. I don't even know how to explain it. The, he and Rick <laughs> went both four and zero. Oh. Say that one more game for me. Yeah, that's right. Four and zero. Oh. Nice. So I, I went two and two, Love and they went four and zero. Oh. Love so on it. the season right yeah, now. Yeah, what does that put us on the season? For the season, Lang is six and two, Seku is six and two. Yes, and Rick is five and three. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Now listen, we got to we've got to get Rick's picks for this week uh, via email while he's eating his turkey and he's eating well, tur- to, <laughs> to, what is he tofurkey? To, to I mean, I don't, he he doesn't really eat turkey on the bone. I mean, what, what do what do vegans eat at Thanksgiving? Water, I mean, <laughs> granola bars, and wheat germ. I mean, what? what we <laughs> that's why Maddie's not here today because I was going to ask him what he was going to do for Thanksgiving. What's he, where's he going to eat? But uh, we'll get his picks later in the week to make sure he's not left out, especially since he's dragging up the rear. Um, Greg, what do we got this week? What this week we're going to start with uh, the Lakers at Dallas. Mm. Lakers at Dallas. What day are they playing? I believe it's, I don't know, it's sometime this weekend, <laughs> and uh, Seiku, you go first. Let me, let me. T- I can tell you, I, I've, got, I've got it up here. The Lakers play at Memphis on Friday night, mm-hmm. and then at Dallas on Saturday night. Woo! That's going to be Lane a tough one. Is serious. I love he does, because, yeah. That's, listen, that's going to be a tough one coming off Matters. of that Friday night, you know, back grit to and back grind. At Memphis. Yeah, that's a grit and grinder. I am going to go with the Lakers, though. I think the Lakers, I have hit a... You know, a groove here. I'm going Lakers. I'm going to take Dallas because watching the Lakers last night, uh, you know, while Steve Nash is still out, they still struggle with point guards. And the way Dallas has looked so far this season, Collison has looked really good. Yeah. Um, I'll take Dallas. Nice. Okay. Second matchup will be the New York Knickerbockers facing the Brooklyn Nets on Monday night. Ooh. Well, Monday night. Burrow ball, baby. I like it. Who you got, Lang? I'm, I'm going to take the New York Knicks. And wait a minute. You, uh, come on, man. Where's your love for Brooklyn? I just feel like, uh, <laughs> I mean, I know Brooklyn's out west all week this week. Um, so they got to fly back. I, I think it's. I think the Knicks are going to be able to pull it out. I don't know. I, I think I'm going to go with. I'm going to go with Brooklyn. Just. All right. The Knicks won the first go round, right? Or no, they didn't. That's right. It got they got, they got, they got wiped out because the makeup of this. Game. That's right. This is the makeup game. Mm. They played. They played twice in the preseason. Yeah, mm, I just thought I, I'm glad you. 
you know what? I'm going with Brooklyn. I think they do this for Brooklyn. I think they win this one for, for all the people in Brooklyn. I'm no sleep. With, I'm going with the Nets. Sleep. That's great. All right. Uh, the third and final game of the week is Charlotte at Washington. <laughs> Man, this clash of the Titans. Uh, well, I'm, obviously, Washington has not won a game this season. <laughs> Take it easy. Mike Lee's in town. Leave him alone. <laughs> uh, Washington's not won a game all season. And Charlotte, uh, as you said, one of the surprising teams this year. I know. I'm going to take Washington. This is going to be the game. They get off the schneid. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going with those Mike Cats. I'm going with the Charlotte Mike Cats. I think – I think they are. They have turned the corner here. They're, I mean, I'm not saying they're going to the playoffs by any stretch. I'm just saying they've turned the corner that they're not going to go to to Washington and, and get stuck on Kiss Cam getting pie thrown in their face against a Wizards team that can't shoot straight. This this is Kimba's night. This is a Bobcats kind of night. I'm going. I'm going with the Mike Cats. Okay. All right. Six and two, right? I'm six and two on the season, right, Greg? We both are. You and I. Yes, both you guys are. are both six and two. Man, I and love again, the sound. Is five and three. I love the smell of perfection. Four and zero oh last week. Ain't. Don't get used to it. And it's good to be. It's good to be great. Um, great to be great. <laughs> That's not perfection. That's, <laughs> that's turkey and dressing. That's tofurkey and you know whatever else Rick is going to be dining on on his Thanksgiving plate. All right, I got to go get this turkey. Let's do it. Let's do it. You cooking again, right? This is what year seven. I am. Yeah, year six or seven. I got Marcus on speed dial. I'm ready. Nice, nice. I got it. I got somebody else on speed dial. It's called we're going out. <laughs> we go out to eat on Thanksgiving. <laughs> you got Outback Steakhouse on speed exactly. dial. Hey, if you're open on Thanksgiving, you will get some Smith money. Trust me, because I'm not cooking. <laughs> We appreciate everybody joining us this week, obviously, here on the Hangtime Podcast. Mitch Kupchak, general manager of the Los Angeles Lakers, coming in and joining us just in time to clear up everything. Next week, Lang, I promise, no Laker conversation. We'll, we'll move on from this Lakers discussion. We'll have a 100% Laker-free that's Hangtime right. Podcast. Of all course, right. that's all contingent upon the Lakers not making headlines between now and next week. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> They're pretty good at it. I know. But we appreciate everybody. Have a good Thanksgiving, and we will see you next time here on the Hangtime Podcast. Later. Thanks for listening to the Hangtime Podcast. To download more episodes of the show, visit the iTunes Music Store. And be sure to check out the Hangtime blog on NBA.com. And as always, say kuna matata.